Welcome to Call Your Girlfriend, a podcast. (laughs) 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 Wow. And just like that, I got written out of the show. Wow. On this week's agenda, complicit white women and the United States' long history of ripping children from their families, plus Democrats who paved the way for family separation, and why donate protest midterm elections is the new Jim Tan laundry. In happier news, we talk about Bay and Jay's creative partnership, forgiveness, black art in white spaces, and the power of a bespoke suit. <laughs> I'm Aminatou So. And I'm Ann Friedman. And we're total professionals. <laughs> I and I'm so deliriously tired today. Like, if this was shift work, I've gone to like all of my three jobs today. You know what I'm saying? You are you are a podcast shift worker. My brain is fried. And to be clear, one of my job appearances today was literally just taking photos and video. But you know how video is, right? It's like prance around for four hours and then it's literally a 30 second clip such low pay and (laughs) everything that could have gone wrong went wrong like first of all it was one million degrees and then the one thing that we had to do was like get photos of these balloons and then the balloons flew away (laughs) (laughs) that's a metaphor i won't name names but somebody let the balloons fly and i was like wow we had one job today and we failed Um, Well, I have been uh, working on this project where I am doing a lot of reporting with my audio equipment and interviewing a lot of people, which is very nerve wracking because technical skills, but also is like I'm reminded again of how it is, in fact, the opposite skill set of like podcasting or opinion writing. Like essentially, it's like your job to listen really carefully and process and ask questions and like really not your job to like butt in and offer lengthy opinions about the world. You're kind of like more of a a receiver than a giver in that case. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm back in giver mode and I don't have opinions about anything. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Anyway, what are we talking about this week? (laughs) Wow. First of all, I know that people are going to hear this in advertising, but we really need to give GinaDelvac.com a huge shout out. Holy cow. GinaDelvac.com looks beautiful. Let me hit you with the headline, Gina got a website and it is gorgeous. <laughs> thank you, Squarespace. Free promo. <laughs> also, thank you, Gina, for, in, for like giving the world this beautiful example of like what a personal website should be. It has an incredible FAQ section. So if anyone listening has ever emailed the CYG inbox to ask a question about our tech stuff, about like how to get started in the industry, like, you know, you're kind of 101 producer questions. Gina has put them all on her website. It's an incredible resource. I know. Now I'm like worried. What are we going to do ads on? I know. It's like, well, I I won't lie. I looked at the upcoming ads and Squarespace hasn't bought an ad for the near future. So I'm like, this is a freebie (laughs) slash an ad for GinaDelvac.com. Never mind. (laughs) We'll focus our efforts on Aminatu.com. Listen, I didn't want to bring this up, but that is our next area of focus as a family is... Listen, (laughs) I... You know, it's been a long time coming. It has been a long time coming, and I finally know what I want out of a website, so I'm going to make it happen. Does this have to do with you writing your bio and your anxiety about writing a bio? 
I'm hanging up. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) It was nice knowing you. Almost 10 years. Run. Friendship. This was great. I love you. No hard feelings. Peace out. But that is a common anxiety, P.S. Like, very common. I already hung up. I already hung up. I'm not here. (laughs) Uh, I mean, and for as long as you've known me, writing my bio has been the biggest anxiety-giving exercise. You don't like to be labeled and pigeonholed. Well, I don't think that it's that as much as it is like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? You know, like it all sounds great until you have to put it down on paper and you're like, oh, God, I do too much and nothing at all at the same time. You know what I mean? Wow. And but the thing about it that's great is that, like, you know, my life's kind of coming into focus. So I was like, oh, I have a bio now. (laughs) Oh, I can make a website now. (laughs) Right. I'm like. That shit only took, like, when did I graduate college? 07, 11 years. Thank you. (laughs) Let's be real. You've had many, many, many websites, just none of them the kind of, like, personal bio-type website. Totally. I mean, totally, totally, totally. I'm super looking into it, so we'll figure it out, and it'll be fine. I I have to tell you, I recently re... like Well, so a a million years ago on my website, I had a section that was, like, essentially just shout outs to my friends and collaborators. Um, it was like a million years ago when my website was just like a Tumblr page. And and then I kind of went away when I redid my website on our advertiser platform that shall not be named because they're not paying us for this episode. <laughs> cold. Oh, I'm on airfreeman.com. Look at this well, shit. And I made, so I made a section of just like people, people I work with and who, and other people who are like, pals whose services I recommend and it was like a long time coming but it feels really really good it's like I realized that it is kind of dumb to be like I'm so excited about a new page on my website where I link to my friends but honestly it is a really nice like shine theory practice to say like and this website is so good you like put all your media hits on here girl what yes girl can I pay you to make my website I mean Let's talk. What's your rate? Let's talk about this offline. I'm not going to quote my rate, <laughs> quote my personal website rate, because it's too high for anyone who isn't a BFF to afford me. You basically, I pay, you have to pay me in love. <laughs> Listen, Anne, I'm coming into a bit of money soon. <laughs> AKA CYG is about to pay me. What can I do for you? Oh my God. Anyway, so all I have to say is I would love your recommendations page because I know like you are... Like, you are the person I contact when I, like, need a new piece of technology, when I need a new face mask. You are already queen of Rex. And so I'm like, you have connected me with people like Jackie Boltick, who does my newsletter stuff, who's amazing. So many good people. I'm like, my, my number one request for the new Aminatu.com is a recommendations page that lives permanently. You know, might be a page, might could be a newsletter. Ooh, we'll talk about it offline. Hey. Wow, I'm salivating. <laughs> Okay, what's really going on? (laughs) Okay, and where do we even start? If you are following the news, you know all about our government's horrific, horrific, horrific immigration policies that seem to change day to day. As in all things typically Trump administration, we don't know what the truth is. We do not know who is in charge. They don't know anything about policy and True to form, many people get hurt. 
that is why I we are not going to go deep on policy stuff that's happening because it will I'm sure it will all be different by the time people are listening to this. But suffice to say, the headline is extreme like racism and bigotry leading to the lives of like people rightfully seeking refuge and asylum being like totally ripped apart. That is like the headline. I'm I'm sorry to say that's the headline no matter what the policy changes between now and when this episode comes out. Ugh. And, but you know, the thing is that like in also true Trump fashion, he always finds somebody to take the fall for him. And so in this case, the face of family separation is a white woman that you may or may not know. Her name is Kirsten Nielsen and she's the Homeland Security Secretary. This is the woman who has been like enforcing the, you know, I'm making the biggest air quotes, zero tolerance policy of separating children from their families at the border. The media has been like really portraying all of this as, you know, like it's a women's issue. Like if you're a mom, you should care about it. All of the former living first ladies came out opposing it, like including Melania, you know, which sidebar, Anne, don't you think that the foreign born first lady this would be like the perfect cause for her is like immigration and children. Maybe she's like just better times. Maybe she's just hunting for another immigration campaign's logo that she can hijack for and like report that she can hijack before she comes out and, and actually says something substantive about this and like truly takes action. I mean, also sidebar, like speaking of women adjacent to the president, like Ivanka once again working big air quotes behind the scenes on this issue. Mm. And always like posting pictures of her children and not reading the room, right? It's like, please don't post pictures of like how much you love your kids and your you're holding them other people at the border cannot be afforded that and it seems cruel and so if you've been watching the news and the briefings like me you've been dismayed that it's once again like women who are made to explain this sarah huckabee sanders she of the smoky eye and this woman kirsten nielsen and here they are like getting angry with the press and it's so not lost on me that it's so easy to put white ladies in this position to basically like be the face of white supremacy and make it really palatable. Here are two mothers, like, you know, like Christian women. If they think it's fine, then it's fine for everybody. And honestly, like, you know, I'm at the point where I'm not even angry about this. I am really like genuinely sad for them because I like, I don't know that they understand the grift, you know, like what's going on here. Yeah, that is true. I mean, I also, there's a thing going on where I'm, I am, happy to see the very warranted outrage about these atrocities. I mean, there are atrocities, right? And human rights violations that are happening at the U.S.-Mexico border. Like, that is a good thing. But I've been thinking about how the fact that, like, to really bring this to a head, it had to do with family separation and, like, the way children are being interned. And, like, obviously, that is bad. But, like, it kind of reminds me of how, like, in the abortion conversation, it's, like, abortion, like, shouldn't it be legal for survivors of rape and incest, right? Like, it's kind of like the, the like, who are the pure blameless people here? In fact, like, everyone seeking asylum is a blameless person, right? Like, it's not like they're adults in this situation right. are asylum criminals. Asylum is a legal, it's legal immigration. Like, get it together. <laughs> exactly. And so I, while I am, it's, it's, this is a hard thing to articulate. I mean, I guess nuance, not that hard for listeners of this podcast. I know you can handle it. But like, you know, the nuance that is to say, look, like, it is horrible what's happening to kids. We should all be outraged about that and working to stop it while also 
saying that if the policy of family separation ends, this is still a huge fucking problem. And like, it is not okay to treat asylum seekers and other immigrants like criminals and use dehumanizing language about them. It's like, don't create a hierarchy of types of immigrants um, in the same way that we create a hierarchy about like, you know, who's worthy of accessing reproductive health or who is worthy of, of exercising any fundamental right. Right, you know, and also, um, don't lie about it. The truth is that, like, you yes. know. <laughs> yes. It, it, you know, there, there's honestly a world in which, like, this, these people all come out and they're like, hello, we hate brown people. We do not want them crossing the border. And we're cracking down on them because we're tired of having, like, too many Guatemalan and Salvadorans and, like, Mexicans in America. Like, here's what's going on. Because, like, that is the true intent. You know, like, a lot of people have been watching these horrific videos, you know, and and listening to audio of children crying. And so many people are like, who would want that? The truth is that, like, there are many people who are really happy about this. This is what they voted for. They're not, like, surprised that this is happening. It's like watching brown children get torn away from their parents. That was the plan because they hate immigration or they hate a certain kind of immigration. The other thing about this, too, that is, like, so upsetting to me is that so many people are saying, like, this is not America. Is this America now? And it's like, wow, way to have a very ahistorical view of what America is. America has been tearing apart, like, children from their parents since, like, before slavery. You know what I mean? Yeah, and we will link to some resources about this. Native people, Africans brought to this country in chains, like, lots yeah. and lots of people. Yeah. Yeah, it happens over and over again. So... We've been doing this for a long time. And the playbook is always, 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 always the same. But in true, like, Trump fashion, it's like incompetence meets, like, bigotry. And what are the results? The results are that we have, like, thousands of kids who've been separated from their parents. And frankly, who might never see, like, be reunited with their parents because these people never have a plan. And it's also like I think about all the women who have come out this week, like all of these right wing women like Laura Ingram and Ann Coulter, who, you know, are, are saying that like these camps are summer camp or Ann Coulter saying that the children are child actors. Ugh, the worst Ann. You know what I mean? The worst Ann. My God. You know, I already told I already told my Ann Coulter story on this podcast. That woman is like 100 percent a paid crisis actor. This was the plan all along. But it's like I watch all these women talk all of this big talk. And as of recording the podcast today, Trump has made a fool of all of them. They like went to the mat for this policy. And then today he signed an executive order, you know, like quote unquote, like reuniting parents with their children. We'll see what that means. Nobody knows if it's effective or whatever. But it's like I look at these women. And I'm like, why do you go over and over to the mat for a lot of these men? And this is something that like Rebecca Traister has been has written about so many times. And then I like finally like I have fully metabolized this. The main grift of heteropatriarchy is that it divides people by offering them incentives and pitting them against each other. The incentive that white heteropatriarchy offers to like these white ladies is whiteness. And they fall for it every single time. You know, and this like go this goes back to so many conversations that we've had on the show about just like what are these white ladies doing? And it's like, oh my goodness, you're falling for it every single time. Your Kellyanne Conways, your Hope Hickses, your Kirsten Nielsen's, your Ivanka Trump, your you know, like name them. And then they like they're fools. I am so outraged about it that I it like the 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 despair has like become sadness now because I don't know how we break the cycle. It's so cruel. 
And it so systematically puts vulnerable people at even more risk. And it is so unnecessary. Yeah. And also, I mean, it's not just the history of kind of large scale atrocities against groups of people that this country's perpetrated. But like, you know, our friend Jorge Rivas has an article that we'll link to where he's talking about all the ways in which Democratic leaders' policies about immigration paved the way for what's happening at the border right now, which all of which is to say, not like to get to like Fox News Chiron about this, but like there is complicity from a lot of elected officials when it comes to this in terms of the language used about immigrants in terms of the prison-like conditions that we place people who are legally seeking asylum in. And, you know, and this is not like, oh, oh yeah, like in June 2018, this issue like popped up. Like, no, like this is, you know, it's not just like a long history of overt racism and family separation. It's also a super unsavory history about immigration policy in general, even from some of the people who are now coming out and saying, this is wrong. Think about how powerful it would be for some of those leaders to say, for Barack Obama to be like, guess what? This is really, really horrible. This should not be happening. And I am really sorry about the policies my administration put in place that laid some of the groundwork for this. Like, can right. you imagine like what the, that would like, be like? Literally, like, the, the, you know, the 2014 surge in that, that we had with immigration coming from Central America and the way that the left dealt with that, like, it was fine. It's like, no, like, this stuff has been happening on everybody's watch. And it is not about one side is better than the other. It's just like, at this point, it's like, are you colluding with white supremacy or are you not? And we all do to some varying degree. But I am so frustrated. It's like every time I'm like, wow, like, really? This is, this is what's happening? You know, like, there's literally children in camps separated from their parents. It's 2018. People are waiting for it to get bad. And it's like, no, no, it's already bad. Like, it's all of the signs are here. And we are yeah, living it, through it. It's here. It's real. Like, what are you going to wake up and do about it? And if you don't have an answer to that question, then oof. Like, that is, that is like, the true, the true moment of being lost, right? Like, the, the panic of, like, I'm only going to look at the internet and I don't have any capacity to do a thing. Like, I think the, the number one goal is to not get there. The goal, the goal is to always be, like, there is, there is a thing to do. It is that bad that there is doing nothing is not an option. Right. Anytime, like, somebody asked me recently, like, what, you know, like, what are we supposed to be doing? I'm like, keep your eyes open and also, like, read about history. History is... <laughs> It is repeating itself. It is happening. The news is so alarming. So, uh, you know, it's like if you're paying attention in Italy, for example, they have a new like extreme right wing government. Like no surprise. We are living in this moment of just like intense right wing backlash. The interior minister basically came out and says that they're going to start a census for the Roma community that lives, that's been living in Italy. If you know anything about European history, you know that like racial laws were introduced in 1938. And if you know what 1938 is, it's like, hello, fascism. These things are just, they're happening all over the world and they're all connected. There's a reason that having the moronic president that we have and the dangerous president that we have enables all of this other right wing or fascist or whatever you want to call it, like sentiment to rise because they all think that it's acceptable again and it's happening, you know, and you're like, well, like I'm not part of the Roma community. Like that doesn't affect me. It's like, no, no, 
read the history books. This is truly how it starts. And by the time they get to you, you will have no moral leg to stand on. Direct message to Kirsten Nielsen. I know. Well, you know, um, on June 30th, all around the country, this country, the United States, there are going to be marches to mobilize against family separation. If you wore a pink hat, you made all sorts of funny signs for the march in January and you showed up for the Women's March or whatever, you need to show up for this because this is very, very, very important. It's important that people know that, like, we're not going to stand for this. This is, it is truly shocking. It is not surprising, but it is shocking. It, it shocks the conscience. And I, I just, like, I cannot believe it. Yeah, and also just, like, keep writing and calling your representatives. Clue in to what is happening in the midterms. I'm sorry to be so broken record about this. Shout out to listener Meredith, who tweeted at us, donate, protest, midterm elections is the new gym tan laundry. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Also, you know, I'm in, like, a very deep, like, Flo Kennedy hole right now. Uh, what better hole to be in than a Flo Kennedy hole? I'm telling you, the Flo Kennedy hole is great. Shout out to Rebecca Traister, who is like my inspiration for everything. But like she like she is the reason that I'm in this hole. She shared with me this like incredible Flo Kennedy quote. I truly like I need this on a tote and a sweater on everything is where she says freedom is like taking a bath. You got to keep doing it every day. And I was like, you know what? Thank you. You don't take like a shower one time and you're like, I'm clean forever. <laughs> like, no. Freedom is hard work, Anne. It sounds so dumb, but it is like truly, it is like day in and day out hard work. Yeah. And I have to say that like, that is the only way though, that like the mentality of there is no place we're trying to get to. Like there is no, I mean, there, there are like definitely improvements we want to make, but it's not like we will not have achieved success unless like, XYZ happens. Like, that's not the way this works. Like, basically, it's just like, get up, do something to like make the world more just every day or in your own way through your work or through your hobbies or like through your protests, whatever. And then like, get up the next day again as part of your routine. I hope everyone Jam went out and tan found, laundry. Like, <laughs> exactly. Oh my God. I know. But you know, the other thing too, I think is to really think about it in, in terms of like generational change, you know, or what does Gina call it? Plate tectonics. <laughs> oh my God. Geological time. Yeah. Yes. Gina's always like geological time. It's like, if you think about like what we're up against, I don't know, you know, like white heteropatriarchy, like nonsense. Those dudes had like, I don't know, like a solid 200 years on us. So when people are like, is this shit working? I'm like, get back to me in 150 years. <laughs> and then we can decide if it's working or not. You know what I mean? This stuff, this stuff takes a lot of time. But Anne, can I read you three of my favorite um, other Flo Kennedy quotes? Please. Flo Kennedy is a quote machine. Also, if you don't know who Flo Kennedy is, there is no shame. Google her and get your whole life. Um, I'm not even, I'm not even going to ruin it for you, but like she's, she is seriously in the feminist canon. And here's the best part. She had a public access show that is like pretty much all available on the internet. And it's like all I'm watching. Important black lady feminist. Three important Flo Kennedy quotes. The biggest sin is sitting on your ass. Thank you, Flo Kennedy. Don't agonize, organize. Thank you, Flo Kennedy. Sweetie, if you're not living on the edge, then you're taking up space. I love it. I love that too. It's like, and also like, where are you taking up space? Are you taking up space while screaming fuck you to the president? Like, like on Capitol Hill? 
awesome. Are you taking up space by like, you know, taking your third nap of the day and just like mindlessly scrolling Instagram? Maybe not awesome. Like, <laughs> you know, even though even though maybe you need three naps today and that can also be okay. Like, you know, if you if you make a phone call too. Like that's that's the sort of thing that like different types of space. What type of space are you taking up? I know. I did an Instagram story of the the sweetie. If you're not living on the edge, that you're taking up space. Somebody DM'd me that it was a Nickelback lyric, and I've been afraid to look it up. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! I'm looking it up right now. And I was like, mm, I was like, I don't think I can do this to myself. I'm looking it up right now. Oh wow! I'm sad to report I can confirm that this is a Nickelback lyric. <laughs> I love it though. Oh my god, that's wow! Amazing. Who knew the Venn diagram of Flo Kennedy and Nickelback? <laughs> Listen, it's a good quote. <sighs> Woo! All right, bringing it back. talk about something else <laughs> I know well listen I'm worried about being someone who just screams like vote protest like over donate over and over and over I again. mean vote protest donate and listen to Beyonce is that fair <laughs> uh okay well yes perfect transition how are you so good at this are you a professional podcaster listen and <laughs> I host how many podcasts one two three three and a half look at that <laughs> okay hit me with the listen to Beyonce part <laughs> I'm going to be perfectly honest. I have not listened to the Carter's project yet. One, because I don't have the time. I'm like dealing with menopause. When I'm ready for it, I'm ready for it. But also, yeah, I just haven't had the space. I've seen all the gifts of them at the Louvre. And that's like amazing. The thing that made me really happy about that, I again, like I said, I have not listened to the album or anything. But the thing that I loved about like seeing... Jay and Bay in a museum. It's just, I love this connection between like capitalism and black art and having more black people in like ultra white spaces. And, you know, that's great. But in terms of like the Carter's marriage, I, you know, I don't have the emotional capacity for that right now. I'm so tired. Yeah. I mean, like the online conversation about like, have we forgiven Jay-Z? I'm like, I don't know. I mean, to me, I had kind of opted out of that conversation. And I mean, fully do, we opted have to, in. do we have to forgive Jay-Z? I'm like, he's not my husband. <laughs> I don't but care. But that's what I mean. I've opted out of that conversation. I'm like, I just support Beyonce. Like, that doesn't mean, like, it's like, that's different than I have to, I have to feel any way about Jay-Z, in my, in my opinion. But then sometimes there's a collaborative project and yeah. Right. And you're like, oh, Beyonce and him over there. Like, what am I supposed to do with this? My thing with Jay-Z is this. I have long known that Beyonce is the best rapper in that family and is the best rapper, period. So as somebody who has suffered through a lot of, like, you know, Jay-Z rapping on Beyonce songs, I just didn't have the stomach for it right then. But I'm sure... I hear you. I'm sure that one of these days I will make time for it. The thing that's so fascinating to me about those two is how 
you know, for the sake of <laughs> of art and I guess like capitalism, they like put so much of their marriage on display and it both like scares me and thrills me. You know, I'm just like, mm, I'm like, is this necessary? But I guess it's working. Well, I have to say, so uh, Brittany Luce, who uh, hosts The Nod, which is an amazing podcast you should be listening to if you yes, don't. Yes, listen to The Nod. Was tweeting about Beyonce and Jay's relationship in terms of their collaboration and the fact that they are creative partners. And it's funny because I have, due to some things in my personal history, um, like a real aversion to the idea of like having the same career and the same like very similar career goals to someone who I am romantically partnered with. And it's like, this is one of those cases where, um, I mean, I don't know, I'm very interested in that question. And I'm always like, I suspect that like, especially in heterosexual couples, it's pretty clear like whose creative career gets to like kind of come first or go first when it comes time to taking collective risks and expending collective resources in the couple. Like how many people do I know who are a pair of aspiring filmmakers, a pair of aspiring novelists, or a pair of people who like both want to start the same kind of company or something like that. And like I watch so many times like the pattern repeat that She's like, okay, I'm just going to like take this day job so we can have insurance while we invest in you taking this leap first. And then I'm like, I'm watching very closely to see if the leap comes for you. And sometimes it does. Like, you know, the, the investment goes both ways and they take turns and it truly is equitable. But like, not everyone is the Knowles Carters um, when it comes time to separate like how you are doing how, how you are furthering both of your goals when you want the same things. Maybe everyone should be the Knowles Carters, though. I mean, I don't know. I mean, for me, it was it, it is an interesting question because as someone who is not partnered with someone who is like a writer now, but was when I was a lot younger and a lot more insecure in my career, it was hard not to measure myself against or kind of like make different choices because the person I was in a relationship with was a man who wanted the same things I wanted. Like, I truly feel like I downplayed my ambitions for myself because it was too much to think about going for something that, like, he was also gunning for and failing. Or maybe even succeeding. Like, let's be real, this stuff runs deep. And so, I don't know. Um, Brittany's like... Brittany says, Brittany tweeted, it's rare to see a pairing like theirs in terms of both partners being extremely talented and successful on their own while cross-pollinating a good deal, too. And I agree, but it's kind of like we're seeing them at the top like they did not get together when they were like struggling and trying to make it you know I mean they've they collaborated then I think that what I guess like what's interesting to me about the pairing is that they're kind of both at a level where they can only be challenged by themselves and by each other if they choose to be they, it's like you survey the land and you're like oh for for Jay-Z to be like oh Beyonce is like probably a better artist than me I'm like you know not not to give him too much credit but I'm like wow like I'm always, like, shocked when men, like, acknowledge their, you know, like, or in, like, hetero relationships when men are, like, like understand that, like, you know, sometimes the partner is better. Who am I kidding? All the time I know, about I'm like, the, the lady Jay-Z has eyes and ears? Amazing. <laughs> I know, Jay-Z has eyes and ears, but you know what I mean? It does, you know, it's like, look at all of Jay-Z's peers. Like, what are they doing? Kanye is literally, like, you know, he's like a Calabasas shoemaker. Um <laughs> Like Drake, God bless the him. The cobbler like, of Calabasas. That's not happening. <laughs> yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, and you know, he's the other cobbler of Calabasas. You know, like Nas, like who cares? The album just dropped. Literally nobody's listening to it. You know, it's just like, who who is his competition? His competition, he married his competition. Artistically, at least, like Jay-Z's last album, I was like, oh, 
you you know like he's an older statesman of rap now <laughs> where it's like oh wow like you know like like Drake is still like rapping about like you know girls that he gave rides to at Howard University <laughs> like Kanye like god knows what he's rapping about and like here is <laughs> and here is Jay-Z with like the personal growth you know like like in the album like talking about wealth building and talking about going to therapy and talking about his mom being a lesbian and there was something about that for me where you know like no matter how I feel about him in the marriage or you know I'm like he's ruined many a Beyonce song for me I was like wow like this it's not possible without a degree of openness on, you know, like what your place in the world is and how you relate to your partner and how you can open yourself to the world. Man, now I'm talking myself into listening to this album <laughs> just because I want to know. <laughs> but, you know, the I don't like it fascinates me. And it's like I'm, I've been thinking also a lot about Marty Ginsburg, uh, you know, like husband of mm. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And if you haven't seen the Notorious RBG documentary, you're a fool. One, it's about Notorious RBG. Two, I have like a great cameo in it. Tooting my own horn. Somebody put me in more documentaries. But the thing, you know, it's like thinking about like a man like Marty Ginsburg, who like truly was not threatened by his wife and like loved his wife. And like the truth of it is that like she would not have been on the Supreme Court if it hadn't been for him and how he was so supportive. We don't get enough of those narratives where it's like, oh, like it actually is possible to be in hetero pairings this way. Wow. Hetero people are very boring and have like too many problems. This is why like queering the world is the way. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Going back to like dumb hetero people problems. It's, you know, what are the obstacles that stand in between that? And a lot of times it's a lack of imagination. It's you know, the scam of heteropatriarchy <laughs> and how that works. But it it is possible. It is possible to, to have these kinds of pairings. And we're seeing them. We just don't talk about them enough. Yeah, it's true. And I think, like, the other, the other thing that I don't... I mean, there, as with everything Beyonce, there's, like, so many levels happening here. It's like, yeah, like, this is the perfect opportunity to consider what's really happening in terms of like equity in heterosexual relationships. But it's also, particularly with the the apeshit video, it's like what's happening when you think about like the people who are making the most world-changing and like canonical black art today. And like, what does it look like to like look at those people inside like a space that has been historically and like in the modern day, when you think about like modern galleries and things like that, super, super white. So it's like, I don't know. I mean, we could have devoted, I feel like we could have devoted an entire podcast to like creative partnership and kind of like the issues with like their relationship and like what we all take from that and what we all put onto it. And then there's also this like whole other layer of like them together presenting like this is our like united front take on capitalism and this is what it means to hear Beyonce say pay me in equity great advice Beyonce um (laughs) you know depending on the person you're in partnership with and and then also just this commentary about like you know how art is consumed uh art as like a luxury good and also like art as like a powerful cultural force simultaneously like that is where I was like you know the little like mushroom cloud head explosion emoji while I was watching this video just thinking about even trying to pick apart some of these layers. So, I mean, it is really a gift for people who like to think about hard questions <laughs> and like interesting historic yeah. questions. Yeah. It's just, it's beautiful. It's just like beautiful to see. I'm like, I still remember the first time I went to the Louvre. I know the importance that it has. And museums are just like not spaces that feel black ever, but like black artists like run shit. 
And it's just, it's so, I, I guess, I don't know. I'm like getting emotional. I think that what is always so striking to me is how, no matter how jaded you are about these things, seeing the visuals of it is always arresting. Yeah, I mean, it's incredibly powerful. And it's like, you know, in a way, I, I also keep thinking about the ways that like other, lots of other activists have pointed out the things that this this video is pointing out implicitly. You know, you see protests at the Whitney and in terms of like who's included and how and like which art by which artist is selected and how it's portrayed. And you see historical things like, you know, you see the Gorilla Girls making very like, you know, pointed commentary that is literally all out there. Like, look, like the women in this museum are naked in the paintings. They are not like the ones holding the paintbrushes, things like that. But this video is like, there is, there is like this new level of like commentary that is also a piece of art in and of itself where I'm, like I said, I am still processing and I'm like reading and we'll link to some like, you know, art historians and critics who are, who are processing what it means to see these questions asked while also presenting a whole visual language that comes from this tradition that has historically been locked out of these spaces. It's amazing. (sighs) You know, it is both simultaneously depressing and amazing that in this century, we still get new imagery like this, you know? Yeah. I was thinking that the whole time I was watching Black Panther, I'm just like, here's this like fun movie. And then just this visceral reaction of like, wow, like I watch this like type of movie all the time. And it is the first time that I am seeing like an explicitly black universe. It almost is like rewiring your brain. You know, it's like we have all these artists that are creating new visuals for a language and themes that we have known for so long. And it's so powerful. It's true. And so once again, thank you, Beyonce. (laughs) Shout out to Beyonce. Shout out to Black Panther. Shout out Ava DuVernay. Mm. Shout out to the OWN Network. (laughs) Thank you, Oprah. Shout out Mara Brock Akil. Yeah, I'm getting really emotional, weirdly. Uh, It's definitely menopause, but also definitely, like, like, you know, black people are amazing. Like, it's just, it's just a lot. We, like, we have come so far and we've gone nowhere at all at the same time. It is, I just, yeah, it's like, I'm such a jaded person. And then, you know, like, a Beyonce gif at the Louvre will, like, stop me dead in my tracks. It's true. I've spent, I spent a lot of time after I watched this video trying to figure out how, how I could, like, embed a sound file into my invoices of like Beyonce asking for her check like like how can I how can I make this like this very powerful um demand like how do I translate this into like trying to realize my own goals and hold the rest of the world accountable oh my gosh um okay I 100% talked myself into listening to it so I will go listen I can't I cannot wait to receive the texts as you process (laughs) Oh my gosh, Beyonce, look at you making us like your husband all over again. Mm. Or at least covet his suits, which I very much do. I'm like, I am on a double-breasted pastel mission now. (laughs) Oh my God, and I got fitted for some bespoke suits the other day. (gasps) I'm crying. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Transformative experience. And I mean, like, just the, like, I just got measured. Like, the suits are not, like, they will be made in, like, bespoke time. So, you know, like, I don't know, like, 10 years from now, I will wear them. But, like, can I tell you, it was, like, a very, like, touching and intimate, like, situation. So um, I got fitted for a couple of suits by this woman, Emily Meyer, who runs, like, a great bespoke suit company. 
and she is really rad. But it was just like something about, you know, like one, like bespoke is not cheap. Like let's let's be real about it, right? Where I was like, okay, this is an investment in myself. And going back to our conversation about bodies a couple of weeks ago, you know, it is like this very vulnerable place where you're getting like measured and, you know, like, <laughs> and really like your body is being assessed for what will fit. Right. We and spend a lot of time trying to not quantify our bodies. And right. So exactly. Kind of, kind of you intuitive. know, it's like yeah. you have not lived until somebody measures your neck because um, <laughs> I'm also getting because I'm also getting some shirts made. And to Emily's like amazing credit, it was an incredibly positive experience, like walking through like picking the fabrics, talking about the styles, you know, like how many buttons do you want? How many, so many things in suits that I had never realized were happening. You know, like what kind of vent do you want? What kind of, you know, like just things. And having this woman that is a complete stranger to me, like measure me and not make me like, and it was like a really empowering moment as opposed to just this like, ugh, like nobody wants to go shopping for real. That was like a, that was a revelation for me. Oh, I love that. And you are like, I'm, I, as soon as we hang up, I'm adding this to my like goals list of like, get, get a bespoke suit. Because as you know, I and, also have a tough bod to fit. I'm very excited about this. Right. And it was, and the thing is that like, I emailed that when I emailed her, I was like, Hey, here's a ridiculous suit I want to get made. But like, I don't know if you make like my size. And she responded, she was like, it's bespoke. <laughs> we can make, we your make size. every size. Yeah. We can make every size, you know? And and the thing is that like it truly is an investment in yourself and in your body, you know? And like I'm not gonna gloss over the price. It's like, no, like the there's a reason that like tailoring costs money. One, it's a skill. Two, it's it is like beautiful and painstaking and like to your own measurements. Like, you know, you get what you pay for. But it was, man, I'm telling you, it was such a posy experience. I left like feeling on like cloud 100. It was so great. I was like, okay, now I'm addicted to bespoke suits. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Cloud 100 is definitely where we have to end this podcast because we're not going up from there. Like that is the best. We're not going up from there. <laughs> I'm going to go listen to the Carters or the Carter Knowles. <laughs> listen. <laughs> so I'm going to call this album Beyonce. Always, I'm telling you, always like one step forward, two steps back. I mean, um, we haven't forgotten about the Mrs. Carter tour. We know. <laughs> we we have not forgotten. We have not not forgotten. But anyway, I hope you have a beautiful night and you do something nice for yourself. And I'm counting the days until I see you next. Oh, Same. You can find us many places on the internet on our website, callyourgirlfriend.com. You can download it anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast or on Apple Podcasts, where we'd love it if you left us a review. You can email us at callyrgf at gmail.com. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at callyrgf. You can subscribe to our monthly newsletter, The Bleed, on the Call Your Girlfriend website. Uh, you can even leave us a short and sweet voicemail at 714-681-2943. That's 714-681-CYGF. Our theme song is by Robin. All original music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker-Riggs. Our logos are by Kanisha Sneed. And this podcast is produced by Gina Delvac. See you on the internet till then. See you on the internet, boo-boo.